A fortunate generation is a generation whose leaders are willing to publicly acknowledge when they have made a mistake, which teaches us a great lesson in terms of how we should behave when we make spiritual missteps. So this is all going to be derived from Pasuk, the Pasuk in our Pasha that says, Hashem Nasi Yechetol, when the leader, the Nasi, who technically refers to the king, will do an inadvertent sin of Asachas, Mikol Mitzvah, Vagomer, will do one of the things that the Torah prohibits. On a daft of bring an Achatos, he has to then bring Achatos offering in order to atone. Vimavur in the Pasha, as the Pasha explains. It says, Rashi Matik Deverter Asher Nasi Yechetol. Rashi quotes those words, when or We'll see in a second what the word Asher means, the Nasi sins. When it's Mephora, she explains that it's Lashon Ashrei. The word Asher is related to the word Ashrei, which means praised or happy. Ashrei Hadosha Nasi Shaloi Noisen Leiv. Praiseworthy and happy is the generation who has a leader who takes to heart to bring atonement for something that he had done inadvertently and therefore he would certainly be a person who regrets something he had done intentionally wrong. Where does Rashi get this teaching from? The mocha from the Rashi is Drosha Sazal. It's a Drosha, so it's not right, really Pshat. And that is in Torah's Kohanim, which is a Medrash in Gemara. On Chachas Rashi's Derech is in Mephorosai, Shal Mikra. Even though Rashi's typical way of explaining things is only to explain the Pshat, the simplest understanding of the Pasuk. Um, Rashi will occasionally quote something that comes from the world of Drush if it is relevant to understanding the Pshat, simple understanding of the Pasuk, which must be relevant, obviously, in our case. Rashi needed the input of the teachings of our sages. The Gemara explains a reason why it is that we need this particular explanation. We'll see that possibly Rashi may have a different reason. Rashi's reason is because the wording of this Pasuk doesn't really seem to suit the way that the wording of a Pasuk should go. How do we know how the wording should go? Because there are two preceding scenarios where we discuss high-level misbehaviors. The Kohen HaMashiach, that's a Kohen Gadol, if he does an Avera, or the entire community who follow the Sanhedrin on a, an inappropriate ruling, and they do an Avera. In both of those cases, the word is Im. If the Kohen will make a mistake. If the entire community will make a mistake. Here, instead of saying the word Im, if it uses the word Asher, which implies something which is almost, uh, you know, definite. That alerts Rashi to the principle that the word Asher over here is not to be taken in its literal sense. Okay, great. So we get the issue that Rashi is looking to address, why it says Asher instead of Im. The question is, why does Rashi give this particular answer, which is not from Pshat? So we have to understand the Pashtani Amikra, the other commentators who look at the simple understanding of the Psukim, you're going to see that they offer different commentaries that are all aligned with a simple understanding of the Pasuk. For example, Aleph, the Ebenezer translates it as follows, as Asher Nasi Yecheto, those words, the Nasi will sin. Kaparasha is a continuation of the previous section which said Ve'im Koladas Israel if the entire nation does a makes a mistake. And it's like as if the Pasuk had continued and said, and also if the leader, the king, had sinned. 
So that's a real simple pshat. You've already used the word im, and it's now extending into this pasuk. You don't have to reinterpret the meaning of asher. Or beis, an alternative is the Ramban land. As the Loshan asher do, the Ramban says the word asher in this context, is the same as the word when something happens. We have two examples of that all the way back in Parshas Vayigash, uh, in Parshas Miketz. When Yosef came to his brother, when he came to his brothers, when the brothers finished eating their food and suddenly realized their money was still in their packs, with the word kasher, or in this case the Ramban says also the word asher, is a, is a connotation of time. When an asi doesn't have error, this is how you should deal with it. And, and the Ramban just says the, the chof that normally belongs over there that, that helps us understand that it's when something emerges and happens, that chof is lacking over here from the Pasuk, but the, the word still means the same. So if the Evan Ezra and the Ramban were happy to come up with explanations of the word Asher that suit the Pshat, why doesn't Rashi? And even if we're going to assume, as it does, that for whatever reason Rashi is not satisfied with these or similar explanations, and therefore he has no option but to find something from the world of darshaning from Chazal and use that to explain the Pasuk, that's fine, we'll accept that, but then Rashi, help us out, tell us this is happening. Firstly, Rashi should have given us a pshat explanation because they exist, as he often does. And then if that is not satisfactory, and then add a second interpretation and say this is according to the teachings of Drash. And then explain that asher also is an expression that is associated with happiness. Why does Rashi go only to the Drush explanation? And not only that, and he doesn't even tell us that it is a Midrashic explanation. He states it as if it were the Pshat. Now, let's even say that for whatever reason Rashi has to do this. Let's assume that there's a very simplistic reason why Asher relates to Ashrei, and that's why Rashi defaults to that explanation. Still is Nitmov, and there's still other questions we have to ask. Number one, Why does Rashi say that the generation that has such a leader is a happy generation? Where in the Pasuk is there any indication that the word Asher, which you're now translating to mean Asher, that they have happiness, is supposed to be linked to the community who are not mentioned in the Pasuk, instead of saying happy is the leader who is such a leader, which would be addressing the person who is the subject of the Pasuk. Question number two, base. Okay, practically, what is such a good muzzle? What is so fortunate for the generation who has such a leader? Okay, it's good for the leader that he's willing to acknowledge his mistakes. Why is that such a big deal for the generation? Number three, The parasha is telling us the proceedings that a nasi has to follow if he sins. Why is it relevant in this context to know not only do you follow these proceedings, but fortunate is his generation for having him? Why is it relevant here? And Dalit, lastly, in the so in the Midrash, and we're quoting the Torah's Kayhanim, or, or be it the Gemara, that speaks about the, how fortunate this generation is, it's Da'abir. 
They explain, maybe They explain if the leader of the generation brings a carbon for his mistake, then you would conclude Mahu Hedyat. Just how much more so should we then consider an ordinary person? So therefore, fortunate is the generation who will learn a lesson from their leader and say, wow, if he, who is such a great person, has to acknowledge his mistake with a korban, how much more so us? Because if the leader is bringing a korban to atone for his mistakes, the ordinary citizens of the generation will learn from him, They'll extrapolate, wow, if he has to do tshuva, to chan tshuva and bring in a covenant of zerchatoim, we definitely have to do tshuva and bring sacrifices to atone for our sins. So why doesn't, why doesn't Rashi tell us any of this? If he says in Gansanit movement, it doesn't make any sense. Why does Rashi leave out this whole conversation, which is brought both from the Medrash and the Gomorrah? If the leader does tshuva in a public way, it will encourage everybody else to do tshuva. Because that will explain to us how fortunate the generation is because they have a role model to learn from. Which is actually how Rashi interprets the word Asher to mean Asher. He doesn't say this. And especially when you think about it logically. If a person is already 10 years old and therefore learning Mishnah still has to have this principle explained to them, spelled out. Because look, that's actually what the Medrash does. Then surely the five-year-old who's learning Chumash, who is Rashi's audience, surely got to spell it out for him and say, this is what's so fortunate for the generation because they'll learn from their leader. And by the way, let's just note, there are commentaries who explain what is the reason that this is a fortunate generation. Because we're talking here about a Nasi, i.e. a king who is who regrets what he's done wrong, even a shigoga, a mistake, and he's not ashamed to say, I was wrong. And he doesn't have this whole ego trip which says, I can't acknowledge my mistakes in public. That would be an indicator that this is a king with a tremendous amount of humility. Therefore, say the Mephoshim is Ashrei Hador. Wow, a fortunate generation. To be a generation as a king who is not arrogant. Which has a great benefit because a humble king is a sustainable king. His kingdom will last. The only thing is, if you go with those commentaries, then. Doesn't really, it doesn't make sense what Rashi is saying, that the generation is fortunate. That would actually emphasize why the king is fortunate. He's a fortunate king because he will be a sustainable king. He, in the role of king, will be there for the long term. So how does that emphasize, or why is Rashi emphasizing that it's fortunate for the generation? Maybe they could have many good kings in a row, and that would also be good for them. There's a further set of questions that we have to explore, which are Aleph number one. The way that both the Medrash and the Gemara puts it is, fortunate is the generation who has a leader that brings a carbon chatas when he makes a mistake. Rashi is of a Meshano March Rashi says it differently and actually adds words. He says, Noi Sein Leiv. 
that fortunate is the generation as a leader who pays attention, sets his heart, to bring something to atone for his mistake. Why do we have to know noisein leave? That's his intention. Well, obviously, if he does it, surely it was his intention. And lastly, if actually Rashi's intention is to tell us, wow, this is amazing, we have a king who's willing to bring a korban to atone for his mistakes, why then does he only quote the words from the Pasuk that tell us about the sin? The oyster is doch der far. What's so fortunate about this leader? Also bring ta kapor the fact that he looks to atone for his sin. Rashi should have included that in the headline because that's actually Rashi's whole point. Look how amazing is he's willing to do what's necessary to atone. He should have quoted the part of the Pasuk that discusses the carbon he will bring. Or at least indicate that there's more to the story that's relevant to his interpretation by saying etc. Rashi ignores the part that says he's bringing the carbon, but yet explains that we're fortunate because we have a king who's willing to atone. It doesn't add up. So the beer in them. The explanation is we've got to look at this differently. Rashi's intention to tell us fortunate is a generation who has a leader who sets his heart on atoning for his mistakes. Rashi actually doesn't have to explain that this is not pshat, that this is a medrash or something. Why not? Because Rashi's already spoken about this earlier, and when we know what Rashi has said earlier, and this is one of the rules of Rashi, he won't explain something again if he's already given us the tools we need in order to understand it, and he's given us the tools. Where? In Zelben Inyan, in a, another context of the same nature, when there's a connection between the whole community and the person who misled it in their case or did something wrong. So let's use the example of the Kohen Gadol, who is the next best thing to the king in terms of communal leadership and having a responsibility for the whole community. Perish Rashi, Rashi there says, in the case of the Kohen Gadol, to understand the Pshat, you have to borrow from a Midrashic source, which is, if the coin Godel does an Avera, even if it's accidental. So, it is something that expands guilt onto the entire nation. Why? Because they depend on this coin Godel to atone for them. And to daven on their behalf. And he's now been corrupted. Rashi's already told us. If something goes wrong with the leader, it affects the community. So therefore, if the leader rectifies, it's a benefit to the community. So Rashi's already indicated that that is the simplest understanding of what's going on in the Pasuk based on a Midrash. He doesn't have to tell us again in a similar context of a different leader who's now going to atone, and that's to the benefit of the nation. He doesn't have to tell us again that it's based on Midrashic insight. In addition, based on how Rashi interpreted the way things work with the Kohen Gadol, he's forced us to understand as the Oishar Do, that the fortune or happiness that exists here, is not as you would have thought from the Medrash and the Gemara. In other words, that the happiness or the good fortune only begins once 
the Nasi has brought his korban, and then people see him atoning for his shagoga, and everybody else learns and says, wow, if he could atone for his mistakes, we should, surely should atone for ours. That's actually not the explanation. That's not the point Rashi is focused on. Because it will raise a question for us. Surely the nation should also learn from their Kohen Godel, who is the most spiritual person in the community, who has the humility to bring a carbon to atone for his mistakes. Surely they should learn from that. And that comes before the story of the king. Why is that not mentioned? If the whole goal of the story is to tell us we benefit because we learn from our leaders that they're humble enough to admit their mistakes, well, we learn that already from the Kohen Gadol. Asher should have been the word by the Kohen Gadol that comes before the Nasi. Why is it only used over here? In fact, the Torah actually says the opposite, that the story of the Kohen Gadol it doesn't highlight the oisher, the fortune of the community that they have such a leader. Rather, the Torah there emphasizes ashma sa'am, how the guilt spreads onto all of them. And then you'd say, okay, maybe the answer is because there's much more to learn from a king than from a Kohen Gadol. Why? Because you'll say, Vamadochanosi. Imagine a king. Who is a person who doesn't have to take any authority from anybody else. The nature of his role and position elevates him above everybody else particularly the citizens of his generation. And in spite of his elevated position, he does tshuva and in a public way and brings a korban. So obviously that's going to be a great lesson for us. If he who is so elevated has to behave in such a way to atone, we should, certainly should as well. Because we don't have this exalted status, so we certainly should have to own up to and atone for our misdeeds. So maybe that's the reason that the Asher is attached to the king, not to the Kohen Gadol, because the king is a bigger surprise that he should have this kind of acknowledgement and humility on the one hand. The truth is, you could argue the opposite and say, there's more to learn from the Kohen Gadol than there is from the king. Why? Because the Kohen Gadol is not just exalted in terms of his authority and position, but more so in terms of his holiness. And here's an individual whose entire life is consistently dedicated to serving Hashem in the Beis HaMikdash. And not only what's the Kohen Gadol doing in the Beis HaMikdash, he's atoning for all of us as individuals and as a community. In spite of his spiritual greatness, his complete connection to Hashem at all times, and being the representative to atone for us, he still has to atone for himself. Especially when you consider how the Kohen God has to bring his atonement carbon. Look what the Torah says. He's going to take the bull that he's using as the carbon right outside of the entire uh, habitation of the community. Outside all three of the major camps of the Jewish world. 
As Allah give a machne zen vi a bring takoban afachet b'shogeg, which effectively means the whole community is watching the parade. The Kohen Gadol's got to take this cow right through their streets, so they're all so aware of this public spectacle of his atonement. So surely that makes an even stronger and more compelling case for the average Jew. Who are way lower in spirituality and holiness. We should certainly learn not to be embarrassed to have to bring a carbon. So if the objective is to tell us, learn from the leader not to be ashamed and to come clean and bring a carbon, the Kohen Gadol would be a good candidate. Why does it not say, Asher Koyen HaMoshiach Yechito? So that all indicates to us as the Pirish from Asher Hador Ba'anossi, Rashi's emphasis about the good fortune of the generation who has this kind of a king, is not the same interpretation. Rashi is not saying the same thing as the Medrash or the Gemara, that the objective of the Torah is to say, learn from the king how to be humble enough to atone. It's got to be something else. There has to be something that Rashi identifies over here that is unique to a king, not a Kohen Gadol. And that's something that Rashi is extracting from the Pasuk to teach us, as we're about to explain. And in order to explain, we're going to ask two questions. On that Pasuk that says what happens when the king sins, there are two major questions to ask. Number one, another. The typical translation of the word Asher means what? Asher usually indicates we're in the middle of a conversation. So Asher is kind of a conjunction between two statements, two phrases, two stories. So that doesn't seem to make any sense. So that's the first question bothering Rashi. The word Asher makes it sound like we're linking the story of the king's sin to the preceding story, story which is where the whole community follows a, a mistaken ruling from the Sanhedrin, and therefore they sin. What's the link? Second of all, because as Rashi says, the word Asher is supposed to highlight for us that the Torah wants us to know how fortunate the generation with that kind of a leader is. Fortunate is the generation whose king brings his atonement for his mistakes. So surely then the Torah should have alluded to the greatness and the fortune of the generation. Shouldn't have chosen the part of the story that's speaking still about his sin. The Asher actually should have belonged in the next Pasuk, where it talks about his atonement. And then say, Asher, wow, look at this, he's willing to atone. When he becomes aware of his sin, and he brings his carbon. So it should have said, Asher, or something like that. The word ashray, that you're fortunate, does not really fit with the description of doing the sin. So these are the two things bothering Rashi. Why is there a link that the Torah is alluding to between the story of a king who has sinned and the story of the community that, does, that follows a mistaken ruling? And why is the word asher, which is supposed to represent happiness and good fortune, in the wrong place? It's based on these two reasons. Rashi learns 
As the Ashay Banosis Takanik Megez and Pelmamishtika bring in a carbon of Shigigosai, that actually the happiness, good fortune associated with this Nasi, with this king, is not because he brings a carbon to atone, nor but there's something around the sin that actually is the source of the so called fortune and happiness. Rashi shows us, he illustrates us that that's where he's focused on by using different language to the Gemara. He doesn't just say he brings a carbon, he says, He has intention and enthusiasm to bring this carbon, and that's going to be really relevant. Come on, as we shall explain. Okay, so in order to explain this, let's go back to the previous story about where the entire community sins. The Fidika Pasha state, there the story goes, if the entire community will follow, will do something mistaken, which means something was hidden from the community and therefore they behaved in a certain way, which means as Sanhedrin, that the, the judicial leadership of the Jewish world, the Supreme Court of the Jewish world, they gave a mistaken ruling regarding a particular sin which is not only a transgression in Torah, but carries the heavy penalty of Kares, and they mistakenly ruled that it is acceptable. And so the community acted, obviously, on their instruction. And yet the Gemara says, even though the, 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 the ruling came from the Sanhedrin, it is considered the sin of the community. Now, says Muv Meilov, self-explanatory. There's no question about it. If a person is going to go through the motions of bringing a carbon to atone, they must feel the actual sensation of regret. And they must actually do tshuva. Otherwise, it's an empty exercise. So surely they must apply here too. If the Torah wants us to know that this is a sin of the community, Right? So now the carbon chattis is being brought on behalf of the entire community as their atone. You have to then obviously conclude that the entire community must feel the, the, the remorse, otherwise, it's an empty exercise. But that raises a big question. Is it feasible that the entire community should feel regret and do tshuva? for something that they're actually not responsible for. Even not responsible as an accident or, or, or a mistake. They did what the Torah expected. So what, how, how bad can you feel? How much regret would you have? How deep would your tshuva run when you say, but I was following the Torah's protocol, which is to listen to the Sanhedrin. That's a big question. Is Rashi Mefarsh? So Rashi explains us. That that's actually why the next thing that the Torah says is, fortunate are the people who has a leader who sins and does trivial for that sin. Rashi doesn't have to tell us the obvious. That it's not a guarantee that the Nasi will sin. It's if the Nasi will sin. He doesn't have to tell us that. Rashi jumps right into what he will innovate in, into the inside of this Pasuk. That because the Torah chooses a word, which is a conjunction, that means it's linking this story of the Nazis' misstep 
to the preceding story of the community following a mistaken ruling of the Sanhedrin. Why is that? Because Rashi wants us to know, Rashi wants us to know that in order to understand the simple understanding of this passage, we actually have to have the inside of a Midrashic perspective. That in addition to the obvious that Asher is a conjunction word, there is a deeper layer to Asher that it is also a word of good fortune and happiness. Because if you have a king who makes a mistake and does an Avera, is even again need not some kind zaim dem tzivi atayra, oner is maybe chatas al shigosay. So the response of the king is not to say, okay, what's the protocol? I now have to follow. Bring this carbon. How do I do it? Nor is margish on the her dem chesoroin unchoymer from dem chetalein. But rather, the Torah wants us to know. Look at this king. He feels the loss. He feels the disconnect because of that avera. That's why Rashi says he doesn't just go through the motions and bring the carbon he has to. But it's something that hits him in the heart. And he wants the kapora. He doesn't just want to check the boxes. He wants the kapora. And therefore, if this is the level of sensitivity that the king has to the feeling of loss and disconnection from a mistake. Can you imagine the sensitivity he would have to having done something deliberately against Hashem? That's why this is a fortunate generation. Because a king who has that level of sensitivity to sin will alert and sensitize his community, his nation, to also be very sensitive to sin. And therefore, they will become so alert to the fact that you've got to be on guard at all times, not to even make a mistake. Not because you'll be blamed for the mistake, but because it's disconnect. It will leave a hole in your soul. That's the conjunction, that is the link between understanding the nature of the king who brings his sin offering to explain and give us insight into the community who has to bring a sin offering where they were effectively misled by a misjudgment of the Sanhedrin. Because we're now describing a nation, a society who has a leader that is super sensitive to the lack that an Avera causes, even if it's a mistake, is moving as that's going to expand into the whole community when the community does something wrong. Regardless of whether or not they are responsible for the joys, the example, and not only example, but the instilling of sensitivity by the king will lead the entire community to have that level of sensitivity. They will want to do tshuva like he would want to do tshuva. That's the link. The Nasi helps us understand how a whole community could feel that they have to do tshuva for something that wasn't even their fault. 
That's why you could explain that when you're dealing with a coin god, the Torah says that that's guilt that spills over into the community. On the month, Klanita Inyum for Nashrei Hadoran doesn't speak at all about the benefit and the fortune of the generation having a coin god who's willing to own up to his sins. Voshtet by Asher Nasi Echto, which is reserved only for the description of the story of the king, because Asher Hadoran Chulei, this great good fortune of the nation, past Beiker, is only really relevant if Adoras is Melchatchila Oizgi Hit for Nachet. The good fortune of a generation is a generation that has learned to avoid the mess in the first place. Even to avoid something which is inadvertent. The greatness of a generation is not people who do Teshuvah after they've already sinned. That's actually fairly common. So the Koyin HaMashiach is a person who does something wrong and then does Teshuvah. Okay, great, that's beautiful and wonderful. But it's not Ashrei. It doesn't jump out at you. But a generation that has a leader who sensitizes people to the point that they want to avoid Averis at all costs, even those mistaken Averis. Ah, Ashrei. That's an amazing generation. And this is no surprise because the roles of the Kohen Gadol and of the king are different roles. The Tafkut von Kohen HaMashiach is what's the role of a Kohen Gadol? Primarily, to atone for the people. That means the Kohen Gadol's primary job is to step in after we've made the mistake. So now the Kohen Gadol, whose entire role is to help us mitigate the effects of our various. Now he is doing the same for himself. That's going to primarily activate in people's minds. It's not going to make the people think, oh, we better avoid an Avera, because look, even the Kohen Gadol had to atone. But rather, rather, it will actually evoke in us the reassuring thought that even if you've made an Avera, we don't have to be embarrassed and bring in our carbon and we can bring our carbon. Even if it was a mistake, learn from the Kohen Gadol. And even if the Kohen Gadol were to somehow arouse people to sensitivity about how serious an Avera is, when you consider and remember that his primary role in the community is to atone on behalf of the community. So he's not going to get the message across in such a way that is so clear that it will prevent a virus. The main message that the Kohen Gadol will convey is there is a way to fix this rather than avoid it at all costs. You can even say that the king would teach us the plan A, don't get into our various in the first place, and the Kohen God or the plan B, if you've done an Avedra. So what is the goal of a king, on the other hand? Not to atone, not to daven, but to guide, to lead, them, the, to lead the, the, the nation. On a Yonah Malchus and high-level concepts of running a kingdom and running a nation, in spite of all the high-level concerns that he has for the well-being of the entire nation, he is conscious of the need to bring a, a carbon to atone for a mistake. That tells you that the king feels the significance of an Avera and therefore shares that sensitivity with others. 
That keeps people on the plan A. Don't do the Avera in the first place. And that is a special generation who has that level of sensitivity to protect them. Let's take this to a spiritual level. We know very well that in this particular context, the word Nasi does not refer just to the leader of an individual tribe, nor is We're referring actually to the king of Yah who has no authority above him except for Hashem himself. And you can see it because his behavior has an impact on the entire generation. So that tells you he's the leader, not of a segment of the generation, but of the entire generation. Now, the Chilik Tzvishara King Godon HaMelech in Zeashpoh Upu'ula Eifidin, if you want to distinguish the nature of the input and guidance of a king versus a King Godel to the nation, we could say this. The King Godel is Mam Sheikh Ahavas Hashem, Ahavorabot Eidin. The main goal of a King Godel is to imbue a tremendous, powerful love of Hashem in the hearts of every Jew. Whereas the king conveys to people the concept of bittel, absolute surrender, and awe of Hashem's greatness, as a person would have awe of the king. We know that love is the driving force behind fulfilling the positive mitzvahs in the Torah. And fear slash awe is the driving force of avoiding any of the transgressions in the Torah. Which means, as Mitzad and Muftufin King Godel, the result of the King Godel's input which is to bring Hashem, love of Hashem into the human experience. So the main thinking that that affects is we need to do what Hashem wants. So to put it into our context, it's to fulfill Hashem's instructions, which is cool, bring in a carbon. That's Hashem's instruction. If a person doesn't have it, they have to bring a carbon in order to atone. When you come from the king's input and you develop this perspective of awe of Hashem, then you're not feeling so much we need to do what Hashem wants. You're feeling the fear of doing contrary to what Hashem wants. The person becomes afraid of doing something that would be rebellion against Hashem. So the Kohen God will naturally precipitate doing what we should under all circumstances, even after we've messed up, whereas the king will imbue in us an avoidance of not doing what, uh, an avoidance of doing what we shouldn't. Boy, make yourself take it down one level deeper. The chattas offering is specific to an Aveira that a person did inadvertently. The person wasn't aware. Oops, I didn't know today was Shabbos. I didn't know you're not allowed to do this on Shabbos. But yet, it doesn't matter that it was inadvertent. The fact that somebody was vulnerable to do contrary to what Hashem wants is an indicator that he's not exactly where he needs to be spiritually. He is exposed to the negative influence of an Avera. Which, as Al-Tarebbe says elsewhere in Tanya, it's because the Nefesh Abahamis is speaking too loudly. It's kind of taken a lot of control over the person's life. The person's not where they should be. That's why when we talk about the Kohen Gadol, whose entire process is about doing Teshuvah and bringing this Korban Chatos, what do we talk about? The people are guilty. It means to say the people are not where they should be. So therefore they are susceptible to our various. Whereas when we describe the Nasi, we say, oh, the people are 
fortunate people. Why? Because they're, in a sense, immune to Averis. Mitzad, the avoid from Ahab Hashem. When a person's full focus of avoid is love of Hashem, which is the impact and influence of the Kohen Godel over them. The nature of Ahava, even the most developed, sublime level of Ahava is Ahava is something you feel. Ahava is love, is something that actually makes the person conscious of themselves as the expression goes, In order to have love, you have to be a lover. You have to be a person who's alive, as dynamic, as aware of self. Because the nature of love is that's associated with a person. I love. That's why some people get offended and they say, shouldn't say, I love you. You should say, you, I love. But the position of Ava is, I love. So that leaves the possibility of an evolution that eventually produces inappropriate behavior. Even if it's all the way down at those people who are at a spiritual state called Am, as the Pasuk says. It's a disguise because the, the awareness of self becomes so front and center that it allows the person to do an Avera. So Ahava, if it's not carefully controlled or, or, or measured, can lead to negative results. But when a person is driven by or slash fear of Hashem, and that's something we access through the king and his influence, the, the, the way that a king works is the nation has to be completely submissive to the king and the king has to be completely submissive to Hashem. So therefore the submission of the people is actually to Hashem. So in the correct king setup, the Jewish people, the nation, are completely submissive to Hashem. So there's no scope for any ego to seep out of that situation. There's no room for ego. It's a place of complete submission. So there's not even a practical possibility of doing a mistaken sin. So I have, oh yes, I love my Judaism, and that's why sometimes I might be able to misread my Judaism and make a mistake. Here I'm in awe of Hashem. I'm completely blown away by Hashem's presence. I don't even think about myself, so there's no scope to do something even mistakenly wrong. And that's got a lesson for us. We know the Gemara tells us that the world is effectively a massive version of the human. And the human is a microcosm. Just as the nation has to have a king. The human being has to have a personal king. That's the mind. The mind should be the ruler, the king, over the person. Right? We know that the brain does control the whole body. It should also control the emotions and the, the behavior, etc. It's actually alluded to in the actual word, Melech itself. Mem Lamedchov stands for Moyach Leiv Kaveit. The brain, the heart, and the liver. Which, as the Sefer Yetzirah tells us, these are the, 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 the three main controllers of the human body. And out of the word melech, the first letter is mem, which is, of course, the letter that represents what the whole world is about. And that is for Moyach for Adam, telling us that the brain, that is the king. So that's the practical lesson from this fortunate nation has a wonderful king. Then is the anhogafundori from the modern kid boy, 
When can we say that a person behaves in the way that they should? In a way that is upright, that is fortunate, that is good, that is happy. It's when, as Rashi says, the Nasi takes heart to the fact that he's done an Avera. We're going to read it differently. It's when the person's mind directs and manages and regulates the heart. As the Alter Rebbe says, every one of us is absolutely capable, should we only choose to do so, to have absolute self-control and complete regulation of our, of our desires. Not to fulfill anything that crops up as a thought, as a way of speaking, or as a behavior that is inappropriate. When the king is in position, when the king is no saying leave, when the king, the mind, our understanding of godliness and of Judaism is guiding us, then we're a fortunate generation, we're fortunate people, we're protected, we're immune. And if, let's say, that a person has a breakthrough, unfortunately, and does something they shouldn't have, even if it was by accident, maybe then the person knows it's not good enough just simply to go through the, the different steps of what constitutes tshuva. The person has to realize mistakes don't happen unless a person created a vulnerability to that mistake. So I have some liability. I did something wrong that allowed me to be vulnerable to a mistake. Because had I not allowed any domination of my animalistic side, I would never have been exposed to the Savera. And therefore you recognize, I've got to do something about it. When a person is in a position to truly contemplate how serious it is to behave in a way contrary to what Hashem wants, then, like Rashi says, the Nasi takes to heart, which means, that means in practical terms, that the mind is able to influence the heart to, be, to become submissive. To actually feel broken about what I did wrong. Which doesn't then mean, okay, I cleanse the slate. But rather that affects a global, in fact, universal impact of removing impurity from the world because a person feels broken. And it weakens the stronger, the stranglehold of the Nefesh Abahamis. If a person reaches a point where their Teshuvah over an inadvertent behavior is so intense and so emotive, that person is certainly going to feel tremendous regret and remorse over their Intentional mis- uh, misbehavior. So then you learn from the lesser Avera and it becomes easier to avoid the bigger Averas. Because you've weakened the whole system of the Nefesh Abamis and the Nefesh and the Yetzahora by feeling so so shattered by doing a, an Avera Beshagin. When each person, each of us, succeeds in putting our own personal king in place, which means the mind is in charge and guiding us, it's 
then that will hasten us being that generation that gets David Amelech as our king, or Melech Aleim, not just a Nasi, but a Melech Mamish, literally a king, Bebias Mashiach Tzidkenu, in the form, obviously, of Mashiach as the Malka, uh, the Melech Mebeis David, David Malka Mashiach, and as Venizgalaber Machusishal Kadesh Borko, and that will in turn reveal Hashem's rule over the world, so we won't need the intermediary in order, you know, I need to be submissive to the king, and the king is submissive to Hashem, we'll actually have this submission directly to Hashem, and Abishta will be the king over the entire world or in context of our conversation, over the entire generation. And Mitzvah Shem, that should happen. Take it from Yad Mamash.